0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Is it really a reverse chronological lightning round Monday if almost every team played on Sunday? Today we get our answer to that not at all critical question here on Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's a new week. January the 24th, last week of January. Okay, fine. Next Monday is still January. But pretty much the last week of January, we rumble along. We rumble along. We are now almost 60% of the way through the fantasy season. So it's time to start making your move. If you're in a roto league, it's kind of... I don't want to call it countdown mode because it's not that close to the end. But it's, it's inching up on it. It is absolutely inching up on countdown mode. Which doesn't mean you need to panic. It just means that if you're going to make any kind of roster pivot, this has to be the time to do it. You can't wait anymore. I, I For me at least, trades right now are mission critical. Particularly in Roto Leagues. And head-to-head, you, know, you might have already had your team build, and so you're kind of just slicing a little bit around the edges. You're looking for that key pickup or whatever it might be. In Roto... This is a time where you can actually take some of the lead you've built up in a particular category and kind of cash that in I talked about it on Twitter a little bit recently that there's a uh, I've been I tested out some public leagues which by the way I thought they were going poorly and then I sort of turned pivoted my head a little bit and now they're going a whole lot better Point is there's a there's a credit. There's a built-in credit if your team is particularly good in one category for half a year. You can cash that in. Your team just doesn't magically become bad at that category. You can get worse, and you can start to lose some of your lead or whatever it might be. But, for instance, I'm in a roto league where my free throw percentage is 82.6. Tops in the league. And the next closest is 80.7. Which, as you guys know, I mean... 19 one-thousandths is actually a pretty big deal at this point of the year. So yeah, I could afford to trade away free throw percent, and even though my team will obviously take a step back, it's a long way to that next team. There's a chance that I make my team worse at free throw shooting, and it doesn't even come back to bite me. On the other hand, that team is so terrible at field goal percent that I know if I don't make a move, I can't get to the top. I can't get to the top in a team that somehow ended up being like a punt points and punt field goal percent team, despite, despite starting with James Harden. Everything else kind of made sense after that. I didn't draft many points after the first round. Harden at 22.7 actually isn't all that high anyway. But you kind of lean into one or the other. The problem was that I think I had Harden and Freddie Van Fleet as my first two, because I just took the two best players available at that point, and that was great and all. Awesome free throw shooting team, tons of assists, tons of steals, a lot of things going really well, uh, not so much field goal percent. So I traded Freddie Van Vliet for Rudy Gobert in that league, which you know, at this juncture is a a downward trade because Van Vliet is in the middle of the first round, Gobert is in the middle of the second round, but for my basketball team, it made all the sense in the world. Had I waited a week or two longer, I guess there's a possibility I could have traded Van Vliet for I don't know who would I have even wanted over Gobert you're not gonna get Jokic you're not gonna get Embiid I don't know that I even would have wanted Embiid because I was hunting field goal percent rebounds and blocks and the only guy in that neck of the woods that's doing those things is Rudy Anthony Davis would be probably your next guy on the board good field goal percent not as strong as Gobert's But, you know, you get some rebounds there. You certainly get the block shots. Gobert actually just made more sense. And I didn't care that his free throw shooting was rat duty because I still have Harden. So you can kind of withstand it a little bit. I think I have Chris Paul on that team as well, who's moved himself back up to number 16. Free throw shooting, not exactly a weak spot for that as well. The point is here, I know ranting and raving about a trade that I made in one of my own leagues Crap, by the way, to Gobert and his calf strain. I'm guessing he misses two weeks. We'll see how it goes. Maybe he gets back uh, Maybe he gets back a little quicker. He's doubtful for tonight's ball game. The fact that he hasn't even just been fully ruled out, I guess, is a good sign for recovery time. But anyway, we'll get to that when we get to that. You can actually trade down in Roto at this point of the year. You can do it in any format, I guess, as long as it fits your team needs. I might not lose a single point in free throw percent. I mean, the fact that Gobert was out with COVID protocols and came back for five games actually wasn't that terrible at foul shooting for those five, and now is back out again. Yes, that's limiting the impact of what he would have done to the team's free throw shooting, but the point is, the ROI is all that matters, and you need to start making moves right now. And if you want to make them fast, do what I did and trade down a little bit. It's okay. Gobert could probably get me four, five, maybe even six roto points in field goal percent blocks and rebounding, and he might not cost me anything in free throw percent. Threes would be the other thing that takes a hit there, but you can find those on the wire a little bit easier, I think, than a massive positive impact field goal percent guy, I believe, at the very least. My team is already in this weird little pocket, like fourth from the bottom, so that's probably not going to change much anyway. So scout out where your team is in the standings. It's time to make those moves. Let's do a little reverse chronological lightning round, though. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers. Doing prizes on Twitter today. If, you're, uh, if you want to check in, I would recommend you do so at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Again, giving away prizes on Twitter, but you got to go over there and shoot me a line so I know you want one. You can also, this is not for prizes, you should also follow Ethos Fantasy BK, the single greatest fantasy basketball news feed on planet Earth. There will be more sports coming to Sports Ethos in the not-too-distant future. We're going to be doing some recruiting on Twitter today as well. So please do follow both of those handles, at Dan Vespers, at Ethos Fantasy BK. First thing you do here on this Monday morning. Sunday, Clippers at Knicks. We did learn some stuff from this ball game. maybe even more than some of the other games on the day. Reggie Jackson has been lava hot lately. He needs to be started until he cools off. This is the streakiness. When he's bad, he's outside the top 170 bad. When he's hot now, I mean, this is well inside the top 100. It's leveled off somewhere in that 130 range for the year. And the nice thing is that he seems to telegraph when he's getting hot. You know, you get these games in a row. Boom, 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 boom. I think he's at four now consecutive good shooting ball games. No, it's not just going to totally change the rest of the year, but it's going right now. So roll with it. Nick Batum's minutes took a hit in this ball game. Uh, Clippers bench saw a little extra activity. Starters were getting pummeled. I'm not too worried. Batum has a way of doing stuff across the board. So even on a terrible fantasy game, still got you two threes, still got you two steals, three assists, hanging in there. Bad scoring, of course. And I think generally he fits more of a punt points kind of build. But the fact that he's a 9-cat value, even with the the issue in scoring, is more than good enough. I'm sticking with Batum. Luke Kennard was a guy we put on our wait, uh, our watch list. Not wait list. What are you trying to get into school? Luke Kennard is on the watch list. He'll stay on that watch list. I think he's ramping up. I don't know if he ever quite get over, uh, gets up and over the hurdle to be a nine cat guy. And also I'll mention, I'm a little bit worried about Marcus Morris. He went over nine in this ball game. Is he fully healthy? I'm not certain. I'm not sure that he ever really is. He's, this is an opportunity missed at this point, but again, starters were getting smoked. So that was part of it. He had some foul issues. That was part of it, but mostly he was just bad. I think you can probably stick with it. Stick with it a little bit longer. Isaiah Hardenstein, you don't need to at this point. It seemed like they were going to ramp him up, but the Serge Ibaka fighting for minutes behind Avica Zubots thing just makes it too complicated. Zub is still the starter. He's been playing better, uh, so stick with Zubats. And That's why you held on that one, by the way. You didn't want to do any preemptive drops there. You kind of ride it until the wheels come off, and the wheels are still attached pretty firmly. On the Knicks side of the ledger, Mitchell Robinson turned an ankle in this ballgame. Nerland's Noel played and then got to play a bunch because of the Mitchell Robinson injury. Nerland's 26 minutes, 8-7, three steals and a block. He's a guy I added immediately the second Robinson tweaked an ankle in that ballgame. I like Noel even as a 20-minute backup guy. He can get inside the top 100 in 20 minutes. In 25 minutes or 28 minutes or whatever he would see, If he got a few starts, if Robinson misses any time, Noel can go top 50 because he can do the four defensive stats, five, six, seven rebounds, good field goal percent combo that is sort of unfindable on the wire in general. It has sort of a Robert Williams feel to it with not quite as many rebounds. RJ Barrett's actually been pretty good over the last, I don't know, what do we want to call it, month or so? It's still, unfortunately, uh, not enough for him to make himself a nine-category interesting player. Right? I'm not even sure that he's—is he inside the top 200? I don't think he is on the year. What has Barrett over the last month— I wasn't prepared to pull that one up. Yeah, he's not in there in the top month either. Yeah, I mean, even as good as he is, he's more of a points league guy anyway. Alec Burks is startable when Kemba Walker is out, which, you know, is most of the time. Not interested in Evan Fournier. We saw Cam Reddish make his debut. He only played five minutes. I've got to think that number ramps up a little bit, but I'm also not interested enough to do anything about it. He needs a lot of minutes and a lot of shots to be fantasy-relevant, and doesn't look like it's going to get there. There was a lot to pull from that first game. We'll probably move a little quicker, particularly this ball game. This is a fast one. Boston's healthy again, so start the starters, effectively. I think all of them. I know Horford's been cold after a, a crazy hot start to the year. He'll come around. Jason Tatum had a 50-burger in this one. That was aight. He's all over the map, man. If you get Tatum on the good night, he's, you know, top two in the NBA. If you get him on the bad night, he's like top 50-something. It's strange. He's at 23 overall on the year. And the key with Tatum, we've talked about this before. uh, Excuse me. he's, He's 23 over the last month, actually. He's number 14 over the last two months. Which, by the way, is a little bit of a disappointment. I think most of us thought he was going to be like top 8, top 9. But 14 isn't all that far off. On the Washington side, I don't know. I can't really advocate hanging on to these centers. I know we're only like two weeks and change from the trade deadline. And if Daniel Gafford gets moved somewhere where he plays 20 minutes, that's a big deal. If Montrezl Harrell gets moved then Thomas Bryant and Gafford can split the minutes themselves, and that's kind of a big deal. But Davis Bertans is still floating around. To me, there's just there's kind of too many things that need to happen for any one of these guys to maintain consistent fantasy value. Thomas Bryant playing 22 minutes was notable. If this is him starting to grab that job, I don't know that it is, but he's probably the guy at this point you take a shot on. And he probably got stashed in a bunch of spots, and people are remaining relatively patient, which is honestly somewhat surprising, uh, given the fact that this is his sixth game back, and it's the first time he showed really any signs of fantasy life. He had a 15-point game that that third game back. I don't know. I mean, it still feels like there's a hot hand thing going on. He's the best uh, well-rounded. He's the well-rounded option for them. His defense isn't quite as bad. As bad as Montrezl Harrell's, his offense isn't maybe quite as good, although it's different. He can step out and shoot a little bit. Gafford is the better defender, the better rebounder. Harrell is the energy guy who can score. They got options, and that's bad for fantasy. We want a team not to have options. I think you can probably just punt on everybody for now. And then Bryant's the guy you're keeping an eye on, but again, he's he's way over-rostered. Especially in competitive leagues where everybody's just like praying that it clicks. And maybe it does, but I don't know. I wasn't really willing to wait on it. It's coming off a big injury. Chicago has been bad. And, you know, you can't really blame them. They're missing Zach Levine. They're missing Alex Caruso. They're missing Lonzo Ball. Caruso uh, out long-term now after Grayson Allen's hard foul and uh, fractured his wrist, which sucks in so many ways. This opens up room on the Bulls fantasy-wise we have to approach all of this stuff from a fantasy perspective first of all DeMar DeRozan is gonna have to do a ton although it sounds like Zach Levine might be back as soon as today but certainly this week that's a big deal Kobe White probably can hang on to value even after Levine comes back because there's just a lot of available offense I mean DeMar's usage in this game was nuts 21 shots and 13 free throws some of that goes away. Some of Vooch's 19 shots. Some of White's 18 shots go away. I still think that's probably enough for Kobe. The one I'm a little more concerned about is Io DeSumo, who did play 40 minutes in this game, but took just six shots. Now, offensively, Chicago was a mess. One of the things that uh, Io had been doing well was passing, and the defensive stuff was sort of floating him, had a three-pointer here and there. I'm not moving on yet until I see what things look like with Levine back in the mix, because Lonzo and Caruso are out a while. And then, of course, again, you're hanging on to Kobe White. On the Orlando side, they're just trying to get the pieces to fit together right now. Bamba was in foul trouble, so don't worry about that one. He'll be back, and he'll be fine in the next ball game. Cole Anthony is probably a buy low for Orlando as he figures out how to play alongside Jalen Suggs, who's now kind of moved in and is attempting to, I believe, take kind of the alpha spot on that team. Everybody got a lot of playing time here because of the blowout. Mo Wagner was good. Mostly because Bamba was in foul trouble. Okiki was good uh, because he shot the ball well. And then he got extra playing time because of the blowout. Iggy Brzdakis played 25 minutes. It's kind of all you need to know about this, but this game in particular. Suggs is a really good grab uh, as kind of the ramp-up player on this team. He's probably rostered everywhere at this point after uh, a couple of louder games over the weekend and then a lot of uh, young player name recognition. I-, I think probably the big news is... Cole Anthony starting to figure it out. As he gets comfortable in this arrangement, there will be some kind of ramp up. He's not going to get back to where he was early in the year, but he'll get better than this. Zoner might be getting frustrated. He might be able to prime away for like a top 100 type at this point. Worth a shot. But I wouldn't go much higher than that, though, because I-, I do think that there's going to be a sustained dip here before it comes up and out. Folks, make sure to spend some time today with our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app available everywhere that apps are downloadable. The Apple Store, Google Play for Android devices, you can get it. Get it on your phone. Get it on a computer like old man Bespris over here. ThriveFantasy.com is the website. Daily Fantasy Sports for Player Props. No longer must you toil in the, in the trenches. No longer must you sift through the gutter for what... Well, maybe you played Iggy Brzdakis in DFS yesterday. I wouldn't have ever thought to do it, and I find that stuff to be kind of annoying, frankly, because I spend so much time researching this for full-season fantasy. Anyway, it'd be really nice if I could just look at a thing and say, oh, I have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen in this ballgame, but really only from a, hey, which of the big guys are going to be relevant standpoint? And that's what you got over at Thrive Fantasy. They also, by the way, have a Wheel of Madness over there, which is kind of sweet. Anyway, sign up now using promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. Get a 100% deposit match bonus up to $100. Also, get a pair of $20 contest entry vouchers. That's a special one that you really can only get with our promo code ETHOS. For a $10 deposit, you get those two $20 contest entry tickets. It's pretty amazing. That's a bonus $40 on top of the bonus $10 you're getting for the 100% deposit match. So go prop up at thrivefantasy.com. Win with us here at Sports Ethos. Follow the guys at DFS today on our Sports Ethos roster. Mike Santino and crew will guide you to victory with their favorite player props of the night. They have NBA, they've got football, they got all the good stuff over there at thrivefantasy.com. Check them out today. Portland beat Toronto. Don't look now, but the Blazers... Have won six out of their last ten. And have a little bit of breathing room. Very little bit. For the last spot for the play-in tournament. Two and a half games over the Pelicans right now. Blazers have actually gained ground on the Clippers and the Lakers over the last ten days. And this is big because if you're holding on to Dame, you want to make sure the Blazers don't fall out of the playoff picture. And you've got to believe. I mean, this is Damian Lillard we're talking about. If his team has a play-in shot, has whatever, he's going to try to get back. Plus, there's going to be rumors swirling. It's going to be annoying. If he doesn't come back, everyone's just going to say, oh, the end of the line kind of stuff. Although maybe if he doesn't play again, he'd be more likely to want to play a little bit more with Portland. In any event, C.J. McCollum coming back has certainly made the Blazers better. They have an offensive weapon they can rely on nightly. He's looked pretty good here after a couple-game ramp-up. Rob Covington dislocated a finger, but came back and played through it. And still no sign of Larry Nance Jr., so you don't have to worry much about that one. Uh, Anthony Simons, I mean, we knew he wasn't going to be a first-rounder forever. And this is why we said, go get yourself a top 50 kind of guy. If you can, maybe you still can. And Nasir Little's played pretty well lately. And Nurk had a, a quieter one after a couple of big ball games. Little is, I don't know, generally not what you'd call a high upside streamer, but this this game had some upside in it. He's fine. I'm not super excited about it, but he's fine. No no surprises, really, on that Portland side. No real surprises on the Toronto side either, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on these. Uh, Chris Boucher continues to plug along at a pretty good clip. 24 minutes here, but again, that's enough for him. And then the rest of the names are the usual fare. Gary Trent had a horrible game that he actually kind of salvaged late with a few three balls. It was real bad, if you can believe that. But let's just shuffle along. Lakers, uh, Heat... Lakers were so bad early in this game. They played a lot better in the second half, but it was way too little, way too late. And at this point, LeBron is kind of the only trustworthy Laker, unless you drafted Russell Westbrook, in which case, what are you doing? And you're stuck with it and figure out how to use him, I guess. Uh, but all the other guys have been pushed off to the side. If They've sort of tried to find lineups that emphasize enough defense. Didn't work. I mean, they went to a defensive lineup, and the Heat hit every three-pointer on Earth. And by the way, if you can figure out which Heat player is going to get super hot from three on any given night, congratulations, because I can't. It's going to be Duncan Robinson some of the time, to about half of the time these days. And then uh, Max Strus hit a couple in the middle of the ballgame. Caleb Martin hit a couple in the middle of the ballgame. Even Jimmy Butler hit a three-ball. Everybody got in on the fun. It was three-ball mania. But, again, at the end of the day, Jimmy Butler, huge triple-double. Bam Adebayo, working his way back. He's looked pretty good here since returning from injury. And then if you need threes, you can probably stream Duncan Robinson and just you know try not to worry about it if you throw him in there on a day where he plays 24 minutes and gets three points and a rebound because he'll come back with one of these guys where he hits six or seven. It's all about where it averages out, but no massive fantasy notes from this ballgame. Atlanta beat the... uh, daylights out of Charlotte. DeAndre Hunter uh, left the game with about a minute and a half to go in a blowout. Uh, hopefully he'll be okay. He's played really well since coming back from injury. I got to give credit where credit's due. He was on our ads list on Friday, and I remain kind of a tepid fan of DeAndre Hunter's fantasy game. He makes the team a lot better because he's probably their best defender outside. I don't know. It depends what you... Feel about Clint Capella as, as rim protection goes. But is the guy that can chase people around, he can switch, he can guard smaller players, he can guard bigger players. He's the versatile defender on that team. So having him back has really made them better. But he doesn't rebound, he doesn't pass really, and the steals were exceptionally high in this ball game. He was hot in this ball game. So there's all these weird little things that are kind of working in his favor, and he's still you know, like hanging around that 80 to 90 range. If any of those things break the wrong way, if field goal percent starts to come back down or if the steals and blocks start to come back towards a career mark, there does feel like a drop-off isn't far off. But as long as he's rolling like this, you go with it. You know, that's like, you don't stand in front of of a train when it's moving. Ride a hot hand. That's okay. That's an okay strategy for betting, for fantasy, whatever. The Hornets... If you asked me what the Hornets' record was right now, I wouldn't have the first clue, because I don't feel like they've been playing that great. But they're actually seven and three in their last ten ball games, just sort of quietly pretty good throughout the year. They're 26 and 21, by the way, if you're wondering what they were. the The one thing that jumps out about the Hornets is uh, how far Lamelo Ball has dropped off after his crazy hot start. He's now in the middle of the second round, which. Again, not a bad season. He's overperforming because he was drafted around 24 or so. Somewhere between 20 and 28. He was in that, that group of players we spent forever talking about. Uh, but he's no longer number six. And the key is, yes, he's number 17 on the season. But over the last two months, he's number 38. So is that who he is? Is he going to be 38 the rest of the way and continue to slowly fall? Or... Is this the dip before the big pickup? I don't know. I'm tempted to say he's probably back in the mid-30s. That was where I was looking to draft him in the 30s because I didn't think he was going to take, you know, 17, 18, 19 shots a game. And he came out and he just went gangbusters in usage early in the year. I think over the last two months, his steals numbers are probably a little bit low. So that likely comes back up a tad. But I don't think you get that first round stuff. So if you can trade LaMelo Ball and still get a second or first rounder, I think you probably do it. But it does likely change your team's makeup a little bit. P.J. Washington played 31 minutes off the bench. I sort of don't care. He and Mason Plumlee are going to be fighting for those minutes every game, which makes it... I don't like 50-50 propositions in Roto. Don't like... Philly played one that was far too close in San Antonio, but they did get their win. And I'm not buying into Furkan Korkmaz getting hot for a game, so move along. Seth Curry will come back at some point here soon, and then you won't have to worry about it. Jakob Pertl! Jakob Purtle, big ball game for Jakob. Devin Vassell, 15-4 in 20 minutes. He's right on the cusp, and I feel like I've said that all season now. But he still hasn't quite cleared it. Mostly because guys like Lonnie Walker... And Doug McDermott are playing more than they need to on a young Spurs team. There's a possibility that after the trade deadline, Vassell gets more run. Or is he just a really nice keeper dynasty type? That's a possibility. That could still be it this year. So redraft, folks. Eh, I don't know that you have to do it. Anyway, shuffling along here. Dallas, uh, opportunity to beat up on a Memphis team that's a bit shorthanded right now. Grizzlies still 7-3 and their last 10, but you can see they're wavering a bit. Mostly with Desmond Bain out, that's been the one that's really hurt them. Mavericks red hot; they're now 27 and 20. By the way, the Suns at nine and one and have won six games in a row are once again the hottest team in the NBA. It's pretty insane, actually. That team just has has no blips. I think that's got to be the Chris Paul effect. In any event, as fantasy goes in this game, DeAnthony Melton, another good one here. They're finally letting him play. It only took the entire team being hurt for them to do it. So keep trotting him out there, and what I'll say on the Melton front, trying to sort of get out in front of something here, at some point, probably not too far from now, guys are going to start coming back for the Grizzlies. Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones, slow-mo, and that's going to push Melton back where he was before. At this point, we know that's going to happen. We've seen it happen about eight times, where guys have been hurt, he played more, guys came back. He played less. No matter how much he was doing, it wasn't enough to secure more than 18 minutes a game when the team is healthy. And at some point, Dylan Brooks will show back up again as well. But here's the thing. When those guys come back, whether it's later this week or towards the end of the week, I don't know. My guess would be probably midweek, depending on who has symptoms and how bad they are. All Mostly all protocoled at this point. And Brandon Clark should be back soon, too. He's not in protocols. We are close enough now to the trade deadline. Like, if they come back on Thursday, you're talking about two weeks now. Sit on D'Anthony Melton for two weeks and see if he gets moved at the deadline. If he does, I mean, you saw it here. 31 minutes. He didn't shoot the ball well, but give that dude 31 minutes a game. I mean, he's a top 40 fantasy player. Rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, threes. He does a lot. He'll score, too, if he's on a team that's given him that much time. Yeah, the percentages haven't been great this year. Field goal percent in particular has been very goofy, but kind of both. Wouldn't you? I mean, people have been sitting on Alperen Sengun since October. We're three months into that stash. It'll be four by the time the trade deadline comes around. And people are praying that he gets enough playing time to get to, like, top 60, top 70. Couldn't you sit on DeAnthony Melton for two weeks now? I could. I really think you kind of need to. There just aren't that many guys like that where the situation is so obviously tipped against them that almost anything could break it in their favor. Will it happen? I don't know. 20% chance? 10% chance? Whatever you want to put it at. It's not high. In all likelihood, the Grizzlies don't move him because they'll want a pretty big haul for a very good young basketball player. But if they do, someone is out there trying to get him. And that's what you want to be over. I thought John Conchar would be a better stream here. He's been fully uninvolved in the offense. Did have 10 rebounds and a block, but I don't think it's a must-stream guy. And then uh, on the Dallas side, really no surprises at all. They're a healthy team right now, for the most part. Uh, so Luka, Porzingis, even Dorian Finney-Smith is kind of hanging in there. And uh, Jalen Brunson, who hit seven free throws. That kind of saved his fantasy game here, because this one was... This was sort of the fear we had with Brunson. What if he's not getting the assists with Luka around? What if he's not getting the usage with Luka around? How does he salvage the fantasy line? He did it at the free throw line. I don't know. I just don't see this dude staying inside the top 100 when the team is fully healthy. Maybe he surprises me, but he feels a bit more streamer level. Denver, hanging on, hanging on. Nikola Jokic versus the universe. They're 24 and 21 now. Just barely hanging on. Jokic has been unreal. It's funny to think that he was like number two at the beginning of the year in fantasy, and he was really in a deep slump. He wasn't making his free throws. He wasn't really making his shots. He's come on lately uh, like a straight up a bat out of hell. Like he's been number one, and there hasn't been anybody close. Not even LeBron, who's been going crazy. And Jokic is just way out in front of all of them over the last month. He's been so good. So good. Will Barton keeps trying to convince me to to keep him going. He's, I mean, he's a streamer really at this point, but you can't drop him. He's like a streamer you have to hang on to because he has a guaranteed role on a team where there just aren't that many other options. The second anyone comes back for Denver, anyone of note like a Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr., it does seem like Jamal's trying to get back to play this year towards the end of the season, Then I don't know that Barton is a guy you need to start anymore, and I don't even know that you need to start him right now. It's just hard not to, because you know he's going to get at least 11 shots. You know he's going to score in the teens. He's going to be out there long enough to get a few rebounds, a few assists, a couple threes. The issue is that steals and blocks have really tapered off after a quick start, and his percentages aren't very good. But that's a hard guy to drop. I get it. Detroit's a hard team to start anybody these days. Cade Cunningham, you'll start. Is that it? It's probably all the players on that club I'm confident starting right now. Yeah, not confident in Isaiah Stewart anymore. Corey Joseph with Killian Hayes back. I mean, I know he had a good ball game here, but no. Sadiq Bey, percentages hurt too much. Diallo's not getting to play enough. This is with Grant and Olynyk not even back yet. Whatever. Brooklyn at Minnesota, start the starters. Uh, For the Wolves, in general, the Patrick Beverly missed this game and Jaden McDaniels filled in. He was good enough, by the way. I don't know that I would start him. Uh, Anthony Edwards got hurt towards the end of this ballgame, ended up in the locker room, basically at the end of the game. He's a tough kid, though. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play in their next one. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Beverly come back and play in the next one, which, if that's the case, then you start the starters. That makes it easy again. For Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, I'm starting LaMarcus Aldridge anyway. I know he fouled out in 17 minutes here. Just couldn't deal with Minnesota's front court. They were too big, too fierce. LaMarcus had four turnovers. I'm not worried about it. He's he's taken over that center job. And, you know, if not getting blistered by the Wolves, it would have kept going. Minnesota shot 31 free throws in this game. That's all you really need to know. Uh, Rudy Gobert tweaked a calf in the Utah Golden State late game. As we mentioned already, he's doubtful for the next one. Um, When I heard strained calf, I thought two to three weeks. But the fact that he's trying to get back there quicker is, I guess, a good sign. He's shown himself to be a pretty tough customer these days. Those big injuries that knocked him out of the past, he's been able to limit those lately. Uh, But I'd still assume he's out the whole week. I would. Maybe he plays later this week. Maybe he surprises me. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. But I got to think he's out for the week. And Boyan Bogdanovich is dealing with a knee contusion, and Donovan Mitchell is in protocol. So, look, I don't, I know Jordan Clarkson wasn't good in this ball game, but I think he's a guy you have to start. I think you have to start Royce O'Neal if all of those guys are missing games, and then you know certainly the the I don't know about Joe Ingles. I know he played 33 minutes as a starter here. Yeah, you probably could start him too if all of those guys are out. You kind of have to. Like, they're just... Someone is going to have to go take some shots. If Boyan's out, if Rudy's out, if Donovan... If all of those guys are on the shelf, then you could probably start uh, Ingles, Clarkson, and Royce O'Neal. If it's just Gobert and Mitchell, I think I would start Clarkson and O'Neal. Boyan being out, that probably puts me in the Ingles camp as well. Because his problem is he generally doesn't like to shoot. But if all those shots are available, he's going to have to take a dozen. But keep an eye on that one. And then with the Warriors... As long as Draymond Green is out and Otto Porter is starting, Otto Porter needs to be started on your fantasy team. He's a top 50 fantasy player as a starter in the NBA. We've seen it for many seasons in Washington and briefly in Chicago. He seems to have his legs underneath him again. They might have to give him a rest day here and there, but he's full-on jumped over Jonathan Kamingo, who's in deep in the doghouse at this point. Uh, I'm not that worried about usage because Porter's a high-percentages guy. He gets steals, blocks, boards, threes, and does it efficiently. He is a terrific roto play, and he needs to be added. Oh, by the way, on the Utah side, I almost forgot. Um, He's in protocols right now, but if Hassan Whiteside— I think he might have even cleared them yesterday, but didn't have his wind back. Hassan Whiteside is a must-add player because I still think Rudy Gobert misses the whole week, and if you can get three or four games out of Whiteside— doing starter-level stuff, you have to take a shot on that. You have to. So add Whiteside everywhere. I've added Nerland's Noel in a lot of places. I've added Otto Porter in a lot of places, and those are kind of the big three things I thought that came out of Sunday with some smaller stuff kind of around the periphery. Shout out to our buddies at manscaped.com. Promo code over there is ethos20. We want to move a few more units here before the end of January. Go get 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Sideburn trimmers, ear and nose hair trimmers, straight razors, triple blade razors, boxers, t-shirts, deodorant, powders, lotions, shaving cream. It's men's health. At this point, and I use all of their stuff. They've been kind enough, actually, to send stuff to us here at Sports Ethos, so we can use it and tell you guys how good it is. So it's not we're not just like pulling crap out of the sky. ExpressVPN did the same thing; they gave me one to try. It's really important, by the way. That's good marketing. Give your host a product to try. And I've said it before. I've been totally straight with you guys. I think the man. I think the lawnmower 3.0, which I know isn't the newest model, the lawnmower 3.0 is my favorite sideburn trimmer I've ever used in my life. So I hope that that actually makes you guys trust me a little bit more. I'm not just trying to funnel you to their newest one, which is I think ten or fifteen dollars more. I like the previous one. I thought it pinched a tiny bit less. The shave wasn't quite as close, but I didn't need it to be. You know, I'm cleaning up my neck. I'm cleaning up the front of my neck, the back of my neck. I'm cleaning up my back. Stray hair on, like, a forearm, that type of stuff. Where you don't have any need for it to be, like, pulling the hair out close. You just need, like, real close. I love that lawnmower 3.0. I would strongly recommend getting one. And that one has a built-in LED as well. So head to manscaped.com, use promo code ethos20, S two zero to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. That's how they know Dan sent you. They'll be pleased. I'll be pleased, and I promise you will like what you get. I promise. Let's turn the clock backs on our reverse chronological lighting round to Saturday. Well, we've covered most of the teams in the NBA at this point. Sacramento, uh, no De'Aaron Fox in that game on Saturday, so, um, oh, what a goose I am, as the old... Silly kids thing goes. I dropped Terrence Davis when I heard Tyrese Halliburton was back, and then the late De'Aaron Fox scratch meant Terrence Davis still got to take uh 18 shots. So keep rolling there if you managed to hang on to TD. If you were less piped in on Saturday than I was, which is pretty rare, I'm not usually as piped in on weekends. I do more of my stuff like towards the end of the night. But for whatever reason, I saw that Halliburton was back, and I thought, all right, well, you know, move on, TD. I'm Go get somebody else. And, uh, oops. So you can stick with it. Kings, another team where someone's getting moved. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know who it's going to be. It might be multiple players. Be ready. Shemezi Metu, Terrence Davis, Davion Mitchell, all of these guys could move into really interesting valuations. And we know how good Tyrese Halliburton is is when De'Aaron Fox is out. He's a first rounder when Fox isn't there. Could Fox get moved? It's a possibility. That one's the big domino. Uh, For Milwaukee, um, Grayson Allen's going to get himself suspended here for that Chicago game. Um, I don't know. I'm not deep diving this thing. Giannis was out for this one, and that's interesting because then there's a bunch of extra usage. Middleton's going to go huge. Drew's going to go huge when Giannis is out. Dante DiVincenzo had 20 points on 10 shots. That was pretty good. George Hill got to play a bunch. I, don't do it. Don't take the plunge. Pat Connaughton is the closest thing to a reliable one on that team. But again, you really do need Giannis out for that stuff to click. Uh, Cleveland lost Larry Markin into a high ankle sprain. That was the initial thought. So he's likely out for uh, at least a couple of weeks. I think they're hoping it wasn't that severe and that maybe he'll be back in like two weeks instead of longer than that. But another injury for the Cavs. They've done a pretty good job of dodging the protocol stuff. has not been a ton of that. There's some, but they haven't been bludgeoned like some teams have. They've been bludgeoned by injury. Ricky Rubio, out for the year. Colin Sexton, out for the year. Traded for a backup point guard in Rajon Rondo. Out immediately with a hamstring thing. And now it as well. Um, you've got to think that this gives Kevin Love an opportunity. Even if he doesn't start, you might see someone like Lamar Stevens. Or J.D. Osmond move into the starting five. But Love is going to play more than his usual 19-ish minutes. He'll probably get more like 24. And uh, he was already fantasy startable. So that's a, good, that's a good thing for Love. I can't stand the thunder. Uh, I've moved on from Lou Dort. His percentages are not good enough. And he doesn't bother to rebound. He just shoots three pointers now. What a very weird turn of events that has been. Move on. It's Shea. And it's Giddy. And that's it and even with and with giddy even then you know you're you're sort of trying to catch lightning in a bottle he's generally been good enough lately but boy that's a rough fantasy team hey first uh first game for indiana with everybody missing malcolm brogdon is out for at least 10 games he's resting his achilles Karis lavert missed a couple games over the weekend although he's day to day so there's a chance that lavert comes back and gets to showcase himself he's on the trade block they're all on the trade block when lavert comes back That'll divert a bunch of the shots. This is a really tough game to get a feel for who's going to do stuff in Indiana because Phoenix is very good defensively, and they don't run that much. So this game was relatively slow by NBA standards. Phoenix just makes all of their shots, so they score a lot of points because they're so damn efficient. Uh, but in our kind of first look with no Sabonis, no Miles Turner, and no Malcolm Brogdon for at least a couple more ball games. Goga now is an ad. I mentioned that on Friday when Sabonis went down. It wasn't when Turner went down. It was when Sabonis went down. I want to make that very clear. Uh, Chris Duarte is an ad. Tory Craig is an ad. Justin Holiday is an ad. I don't care about Kiefer Sex. Jeremy Lamb is a watchlist guy right now. He played 28 minutes in this ballgame, and he can really pile up fantasy numbers if he gets consistent playing time. I'm not convinced he will when Lavert comes back. That's why I haven't taken the plunge on that one. Uh, Holiday, I think, is sort of good to go at this point. He fouled out of this game in 27 minutes, or it, he would have even done more. But his threes are, are there. The steals and blocks are starting to trend up for him. That's good enough. It's more Roto-friendly, to be sure, but he's also pretty damn durable. So I kind of like Holiday in almost every format. I like Tory Craig. Um, he didn't get as many rebounds this game as I would have liked, but also, you know, they needed Phoenix to miss a few shots. And, uh, Suns don't do that. Very often. So I think in general, Torrey Craig, he plays 30 minutes. He's probably going to get more like eight, seven, eight, nine rebounds instead of six. He'll get steals. He'll get blocks. He'll get some threes. Uh, stick with it. Stick with Torrey Craig. Because, I mean, 30 minutes is almost locked in for him right now. But Todd's they all use until Demontis Sabonis comes back. Craig I would use until both centers come back. Because he's going to just play power forward for now. Uh, and then Chris Duarte... He's probably good until Brogdon comes back. He'll probably be okay even beyond the Lavert return, although it's iffy because he's young. He's going to make mistakes. It's a little harder, but he seems somewhat comfortable out there, and he's kind of running a little bit of point guard out of that shooting guard spot. But just know that a lot of these guys are kind of tied into other guys. You know, uh, Duarte's value heavily tied into the Brogdon and Lavert absences. Lamb, same thing. Batadze tied into the Sabonis absent. Craig tied into both centers, but they kind of both need to come back. So Holiday, Craig, are the ones I trust the longest out of this bunch. Uh, Batadze and Duarte, maybe about the same amount of time. I mean, I think Sabonis probably back within the next two weeks. Brogdon probably after the All-Star break. Or trade deadline, rather, I guess. And then on the Phoenix side, Pismac Biombo, man. A man possessed might be the best game of his career I guess all he needed to do all along was play one of the best point guards to ever exist (laughs) JaVale McGee had a good game too both centers filling in for DeAndre Ayton although right now Biambo is the safer play I didn't think I would say that because McGee's starting but Bismarck's had two three good ones in a row I think you can probably stream him until Ayton comes back which is mind-boggling I know Jay Crowder hurt his wrist. We don't have a timeline on that. But if he misses any time, you know, Cam Johnson goes huge. Uh, So I would say a preemptive grab on Johnson is very much worthwhile. He was awesome the last time Crowder missed any time. And then I'm pretty sure we're missing two teams, but I don't know which ones they are. All I know is that I uh, know how to count. And there were 11 games on Sunday, and there were three games on Saturday which gets us to 14 games and 28 teams. Who didn't play over the weekend? Houston? And anybody know? I don't. I can't remember. I legitimately have no idea. You guys are probably all sitting out there screaming it at me, and I don't know. The Pelicans! The Pelicans. Okay, well, there's nothing really there. Uh, Ingram is dealing with an ankle twist. If he plays... Then everything goes back to normal. If he doesn't, Devontae Graham would have a little bit of wiggle room, although he is also a game-time decision. So, you know, fart sound effect on that one. Uh, And then who the hell did I say? Oh, Houston, right. Yeah, you guys know I can't stand dealing with the Rockets' fantasy graveyard. Kevin Porter Jr. has actually been a little bit better lately, but, boy, those percentages are just going to ruin you. I hate everything about Houston's fantasy stuff, except for sort of Christian Wood. Can't stand it. All right, wrap it up. Hit me the wrap it up B box. Thank you, Chappelle Show. The wrap it up box. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Sports Ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Uh Two other partners that I didn't get a chance to do reads for on today's show would be expressvpn.com slash hoopball. That's 15 months for the price of 12 On whatever you get over there. And of course our buddies at mybookie.ag. Although I did mention I got prizes for you. If you hit me up on Twitter. I got prizes for you. They may be tied into my bookie. Maybe. The only way to know is to bug me. At Dan Basperis. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please rate and review the pod if you like it. If you don't, just uh, tell me outside of the normal rating and reviewing processes. And of course at Ethos Fantasy BK. That's the Twitter feed for sportsethos.com. Go check them out. You'll be happy you did. Have a great Monday, everybody. Back at you tomorrow. i uh, going to try to get some guests on this week. I want to do some trade deadline stash talk. But uh, I'll keep you posted on that via probably social media because that's quicker. All right. Later, everybody.